0: hey guys and welcome to conscious conversations this is a platform for individuals to learn about fgc and hear compelling stories my name is aubrey bailey and today i am so delighted to be speaking with shabana ferroes from bahrain she will be sharing her personal story with FGC along with her life experience and successes. I am super excited for this episode. So without further ado, let me introduce Shabana. Shabana obtained a Bachelor of Commerce in Marketing and Advertising from Symbiosis College of Arts and Commerce in Pune, Maharashtra. She is the founder and director of the Silver Kit Company, which is a creative agency that helps compassionate brands market themselves better. Shabana is an amazing and successful woman, and we are all so lucky to hear all about her life experiences. So Shabana, how are you doing today? I'm doing
1: very well, Aubrey. Thank you so much. Yes, thank Thanks you so much.
0: Of course, I'm very excited to start. Where are you, Aubrey? I'm in Utah, in the United States. Okay, 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 okay. What
1: yeah.
0: time is it going on It's 8:51 a.m. Oh, that's a really big time
1: difference. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think you must be more on the west. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're on the west. So I'm so just telling you from now that everything's um, mm-hmm. fine. there's like I'm at home, but my cat might interrupt us. She's in her right now. She's in her play mode, and she might just scream. Okay. So, <laughs> How did you know? Okay.
0: All right. Perfect. So I guess let's go ahead and get started. Um, First and foremost, can you just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us where you're from and what you're currently doing in your work and passions? Okay, sure. So my name is Shabana Feroz, as you
1: already mentioned. Um, I live in Bahrain, which is a small island nation very close to Saudi Arabia, but nothing like Saudi Arabia. And uh, so I am an Indian by origin, but because we've been over here for a very long time, I am Bahreem. And uh, I'm 36 years old. I run a creative agency called the Silver Kick Company, like you mentioned. I'm also a freelance group fitness instructor. I teach mixed martial arts classes and yoga classes, and that's where the name Silver Kick comes from. It's my superhero name. I'm also the published author of a book called Loving Yourself in Style. I'm an activist, a passionate activist against FGMC with Sahio. And um, I guess that's it. Um, I also do a lot of mentoring to startups over here because I started my own business here in Bahrain. And these are all the things that I do and uh, I'm
0: passionate about. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I feel like we actually have a lot more in common than I first um, realized, but I love working out too. And that just excited me that you have your own like fitness thing. And I think that's so awesome. I used to live in Hawaii and would do yoga all the time. So love that. And I'm also in school right now doing graphic design. And so the whole creative side I can totally relate to. So this is awesome. Um, Yeah. All right. So I listened to your story that Sahaya posted on their YouTube page, and I was very moved. I was hoping you could tell us here so my listeners as well can feel that same kind of emotion. So please, if you're comfortable and willing, would you mind sharing your story?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, I am part of a community, a Muslim community called the Dawoodi Buhra community that my family is a part of. And in this community, FGMC or Khatna, as they call it in the community, takes place. So it's a ritual where moms or grandmothers or aunts take their seven-year-old girls and they get type one FGC done, which is just cutting a part of the hood of the clitoris. Right, So now I live in Bahrain, and um, I'm pretty sure that it's illegal over here, even though it's not very clearly stated, but I'm pretty sure that it's illegal over here. And this, of course, this practice is, it's not legalized in a lot of countries, or any country for that matter. So when I was seven years old, my mom took me to Hyderabad, India, where we used to go every year for our summer holidays. And one day she took me to this really like dingy sort of house in some lane in Hyderabad and um, there was this lady over there and it was a very dark room and she just told me to lie down and take off my underwear and I was like I was really really shocked and because my mom was there I was like okay and then all I saw was a razor blade and then I just felt a really sharp pain down there and I remember just crying and screaming because of the shock and because of the pain. And uh, and then I was I was literally shoved a Toblerone you know, the big Toblerone in my face. And the lady who cut me, uh she she yelled at me to stop crying and to stop screaming. And I felt that, wow. that was that was terrible because it was like you you hurt me and then you don't you're not even letting me react. Mm-hmm. So and that's it. And the thing is that um, my memory blacked out, my memory blocked this event completely until maybe just a few years ago, uh, maybe when I was 29, I think. And it was my younger brother who watched a documentary about Khatna. And I think it was Sahil's documentary. Mm-hmm. And they said, um, my younger brother watched it and then he was like, you know, it it's so annoying that this still happens in our community. And that was the trigger that actually brought all my memories back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, my my memory had completely, completely blocked it. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, just all the scenes, they just came back to me, just played out in front of my eyes. And I was like, oh my God, that's right. And he told me, my younger brother told me, basically he said that, you know, it's so annoying. It's so, it, it's just so angering that this still happens. And you know this was done to you, and maybe this is the cause of you having really, really terrible period pain every month and I was like, "Oh my God, it you know just the all memory make was, sense, yeah, 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 exactly, And I was like, "Oh my goodness, so that's the thing since since that time, then it took me some time to come to terms with it. It took me some time to forgive my mother for doing it because. She betrayed me. She betrayed my trust. And to actually feel all of those things as an adult, you know, all of the things that you felt as a child, which was all locked, to feel all of that as an adult, it was just a lot of overwhelming emotion. And it took me some time to like, you know, sort of talk to her, to even bring myself to talk to her. And I was so angry. That's all I felt. I was just really, really angry because I was, I was like, my mother has a diploma in pharmacy. so She's an educated woman. My father's family is very liberated. They're very open-minded. My grandmother, my father's mother, she's very, she was a very open-minded woman. So I was like, why was this done to me then? So that's what my mom said. She said that, you know, sorry, but your grandmother said it's tradition. It has to be done. That's it. Yeah. That
0: was the entire reason so the tradition trumped the knowledge of everything yeah yeah because that's what i asked my mom i was like you're an
1: educated woman didn't you use your brain you studied medicine mm-hmm. didn't you use your brain that this is not important this mm-hmm. this this should not she was like no because my mother in law said that it has to be done in and she said it in hindi that you know in our community we do it that's it wow that was the entire reasoning.
0: So yeah. it took me a long
1: time to forgive my mother. I really do feel like there's still a part of me that's still not that'll never forgive her because I just think that this is, and I I'm not going to force myself to do it as well um, because I'm just like there's just some trauma that you can't forgive your whoever did it, and this is this is a trauma where the person who was supposed to protect you betrayed you, which yeah. is what makes it just all the more worse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, and then after that, it just took me a very long time to sort of come to terms with the fact that a part of my body is missing. Look, I'm a fitness instructor and for me, health and body
0: is really important. Yes. I,
1: don't, yeah, I, I don't even like getting a tooth pulled out because I'm like, no, it's a part of my body, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It's yours, I'm... like, don't take it from me.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm like, unless you can repair it and keep it there, like, you know, I don't want it. Pull out because I just feel like that's just really bad for the body something will malfunction You know, you shouldn't be losing any part of your body exactly so it took me a very long time to come to terms that I have a bit of my body missing I was so angry it was like I just had this sort of rage where I felt like I just want to find that piece of my body that was cut and I want it back mm-hmm. I just want it back it's like I missed it I grieved it. I mourned it. I was, it really drove me insane. And I had to really, really, like, sort of just come to terms with that. And um, after since finding out about this, um, I researched Sahio. I researched everything because I realized that people are finally making noise about yes. FGM. Yes. The body community, that there are finally women who are speaking up. And this is the time when the Detroit case had happened. So I was really happy. I watched documentaries with uh, some of the co-founders of SayU Arifa and Maria. They came on Jazeera TV. And then I signed the petition. And in the petition, I uh, wrote in the comment that I'm signing this because I'm a survivor of FGMC. And I just I don't want to see any more girls get cut. Yeah. And that's when they reached out to me and they said, would you like to tell your story? Uh, would you like to like, you know, write a blog post for us? And then I was like, yes. And then they were like, would you like to volunteer? And I was like, yes, absolutely. So that's what I did. And that's how my role with Sahio started. And today I'm the official communications consultant for Sahio.
0: Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I'm positive that we are all moved from hearing your experience and just all the emotion that you had to go through and take it all in um it's just very admirable so thank you I think that through my research a lot of the time I was brainstorming ways that I could help end FGC and a lot of the things that I came up with was just spreading awareness and educating individuals however with your story that you just shared with your mom being an educated woman um that kind of shocked me a little bit and I just am wondering what do you think or how can we help individuals like mothers or grandmothers who have this deeply rooted tradition in their minds? How do you think that we can help them understand that cutting is not okay? I felt like education was the thing that would help, but now hearing your story, I feel like the education might not go far enough to change their minds. So maybe what would you advise for us to do?
1: Look, at that time, when my mother got me cut, there was no education, there was no awareness, there was nobody even talking about it. Now having all of that, for sure, it makes a difference for women like my mom, who are just, she's really, really ashamed of herself. There's a part of her that really hates herself for doing it. But I think for the other women who are like more on the extremist or more on the really religious side, in the end, what's going to really make a difference is the leader of the community saying stating very clearly that this tradition is harmful or this tradition is needless and it needs to stop or he says let's replace this tradition with something else like throwing a party mm-hmm. you know yes. Or, yes or like getting her ears pierced mm-hmm. something like that because the leader very clearly stated I don't know, maybe just very recently, also maybe a few years ago, he stated that this tradition should continue. Really? Right. And because, yes. Oh my gosh. He still advocates for it. And because he has done this, all of these women who follow him and all of the men, whoever, all the followers of the community, they're still going to think that, okay, this is something that has to be done for religious reasons. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that they don't even believe that it's FGC, right? Yeah. They say no no no, this is not circumcision. What we do is not circumcision. You can't you can't use that as an argument. You can't say that, oh, what we don't do is circumcision because it is. Mm-hmm. So I really think that education will help a certain amount of a certain number of the population. But what's really, really going to end this is a directive coming from the top saying this is not required anymore. Let's let's change, let's make a change.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I mean, how do you even think that we can begin to make a difference to these leaders? I feel like sometimes we feel so small and we feel like there might not be anything that we can do. But I think, I mean, maybe I'll just answer my own question, but continuing to spread it and educate so that more people are on our side. So hopefully they can start to see the change and almost kind of like a revolution of sorts. So, yeah, I guess we can just hope for, hope for that and continue to raise awareness. So, and I even think this podcast and you sharing your story, this is so amazing and hopefully we can reach many people and that they can start understanding it better as well. So, So, yeah, I would like to talk about now your personal connection with FGC and kind of moving past the experience that you, um, when you remembered that it happened to you. And so... What are a couple of things that you've done throughout your life to gain solace and comfort from your past?
1: So I think really throwing myself into doing volunteer work for Sahil, this really helped because at one point I had to accept. I had to accept that this has happened to me. I had to stop grieving and mourning that part of my body. I had to accept that, okay, I don't have it anymore. And what I can do is try and stop other girls from going through this. So I think really throwing myself into the volunteer work, helping Sahiyo, learning from them about how to start dialogue, and then talking, talking to everybody I could, literally talking to my cousins who have daughters, talking to my best friends who have daughters who are from this community, and telling them that, hey, did you get your daughter cut? Or saying that, you know, okay, you have another daughter. Are you going to get her cut? This, I think this brought me a lot of solace and comfort because yes, somewhere I have friends and cousins who have daughters who are over the age of seven and they're like, yes, we already got them cut. And that really hurt, really, really, I felt really terrible. But at least one of my cousins was like, I got it done for my first daughter, but I'm definitely not doing it for my second daughter. And that felt good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think just doing that and then also I share I've shared a lot of this on my own social media my personal social media and getting those kind of replies from people from my friends and contacts saying that we didn't even know that this took place this is terrible I think that was good because we really need to create awareness about this and also from my Bhori friends and Bhori acquaintances saying that you know we stand with you and yeah definitely this is not the way to go even if even though they didn't want to openly speak about it. They didn't want to like you know, bring their names or anything because they feared any backlash from the community. But at least knowing that there are other women or that my voice is making a difference of what I'm saying and how I'm helping Sahihiyo and what Sahihiyo is doing is making a difference. It's at least getting these women to agree and say, yes, this has to stop and no, we don't stand for it. And um, I'm with Sahihiyo things like that that brought me solace and comfort and I think another important factor that really brought me solace and comfort is my family and friends and my loved ones Mm -hmm. because my family is just totally anti-Khatna they're totally anti-FGC and all of them were like what can we do and you know I would like talk to my parents every day talk to my brother about all of these things and they helped in so many things and just just to make me feel better that yes this is terrible and this needs to end and uh, my boyfriend also was very supportive he was like that kind of support is really important and he told me about how this used to even take place in Bahrain before in a Mm. certain sect and he told me that uh, basically change happened and it stopped taking place over here so you know these kind of things I think support from your loved ones is so important in this and for me being able to stop other girls being cut, this is really
0: important. Yeah, I agree. And I think everything that you said is so true. And it's just so important that we can continue to watch out for these other women and girls. And hopefully we can protect them as well. Can you please explain maybe just like a little timeline of events that preceded after you realized you had FGC happen to you and then how it led you to where you are today? So I was
1: cut when I was maybe seven years old. And then, as you know, my memory was blocked. And uh, I realized around, I think I was 29. 29 or maybe, yeah, yeah, I don't remember exactly. But it was very recent. And after the memory came back, I already had my company. So I had already started it and I was, you know, um, running it. And I got involved with Sayu very, very quickly after... I realized that I'm a survivor of FGMC because I really just wanted to be a volunteer. And I was so happy that they asked me that, would you like to volunteer with us? Mm -hmm. And then very quickly after that, I started to realize that what an NGO like Sahio, what they lack is good marketing because they're so involved with doing all of this really good work that they wouldn't realize that, okay, we need to have really good graphic design, for example or we need to have really good social media marketing because look, their messages are so important and they, are, they really need to reach wide. So I realized that this is something that's missing and I can help. And since that time, I have just been helping them in their marketing efforts. I've been providing them any resource that they need, graphic design, videos, helping them write their newsletters, designing their newsletter templates, all of these things, which led me to become their official communications consultant. And I I just, I basically just supervise in doing all of these things. And that's what I have been doing um, since I, uh, since my memory came back of my FGMC.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I think like you stated with using your talents in marketing to help a nonprofit organization spread awareness, it's very inspiring and it's, really powerful and so I also just think if individuals listening to this podcast have talents if you are a musical or if you also are like an illustrator then reach out and use your talents to help end this cause and to help raise awareness because I think if we all come together and decide on what we're good at to help spread I think that it will it will really make a change.
1: Yes.
0: Absolutely. So yeah thank you. Um I guess a couple last questions if you could please just give us some advice I'm thinking of women who might be listening to this who maybe have a secret that is close to them whether they have been sexually abused or you know I don't know anything along the lines of feeling violated what advice would you give for them to feel empowered I feel like sometimes women who have undergone some sort of trauma feel like they don't have worth and they are not confident. And we want them to say, just because this happened to me, it doesn't define me and I can still be empowered and make a difference. So um, yeah, how have you become an empowered and successful woman? And what advice would you give to other girls and women?
1: So one of the things that I think really helped me and which I never I didn't think about that would help me is telling my story. This is very important because sometimes we feel so ashamed of what has happened and we blame ourselves for all of it. We don't want to speak up about it, but when you start to tell your story, especially in a group of women who have already either undergone this or were working to end it, or who are just like-minded, right? This, This really helps for you to feel part of a community that understands what all of this is about, and they even understand it more than you yourself do at this point. This is very, very important. It will bring you a lot of healing and comfort. And then to just be a part of this kind of group or community, it's very therapeutic to be able to talk to them or to be able to read other women's stories or listen to other women's stories. This is really going to help it will help you on the path towards healing. And I also feel um, anyone who has undergone anything like this, like I'm a, I'm a victim of child sexual abuse as well. So when I was seven years old, so I just feel like, you know, you have to remember that you're a survivor, you're not a victim. And I feel like women who have actually gone through something like this, they're stronger than anything else, because you've, gone through it and you're still here. You're still surviving, you're breathing, you're living your life. And you have to remember that. And you have to remember that you can become stronger. You can... Look, I'm not going to say that you can forget what happened to you because you can never forget your trauma. And healing is always a journey. It's not a destination. But with that knowledge that you have gone through this, you can be really, really strong you can almost be a superhero because you know you have gone through this experience and in spite of it, you're strong, you can achieve things in your life, you can make your life whatever you want. And I also feel like if you have gone through something like this, then it gives you just more motivation to not let anyone tell you how to live your life. Exactly. Yeah, I really, really think that that's one of the reasons why I'm so stubborn, I'm so headstrong. Yeah, that I'm true. like, yeah, because I'm just like, listen, like, you know, my mother got a part of my body cut when I was a kid and my mother could not protect me from her own stepbrother who was sexually abusing me. So I'm just like, I'm not letting anybody tell me how no. to live my life. And it doesn't matter if you're a parent or family or a brother or anything, I am not telling you, I'm not letting you tell me how to live my life or even influence any decision of mine. Whatever I do, is going to be for me because I have survived all of these things since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I can make myself whatever I want now. So I really, really feel that that's a very big part of who I am now. I I love that.
0: Absolutely love that. that hmm. I love that you said that you're like these women and yourself, you can almost be like a superhero, like you have that power. And just because something terrible has happened doesn't define you and you can move past it. And you are a source for other women to turn to and to see as an example. And I think as us women, we need to stick together and join together and form some sort of just a safe space and I think by doing that other women can feel more inclined to share their stories and to speak out and um, yeah I just feel like it's our responsibility and to do everything that we can to be that listening ear to everyone and you know just be there and support and empower other women to do so as well and um, I just want to thank you so much for speaking with me, and I absolutely love everything that you spoke. You are such an amazing woman, and you are very powerful, and I can feel that with just talking with you. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. I just think that I just want to add that look. You know, whatever trauma you faced in the past, just do whatever it takes to make yourself feel better seek out these communities and these groups now because of the internet you have all the resources at your disposal even in your own region you'll find groups you'll find communities and even if it's not in your region you can connect with other women internationally connect with them become a part of their group do whatever it takes to help you heal to help you feel better to help you reduce the anger the mourning or the rage, whatever you feel, because in the end, it only impacts you. You can blame everybody, and you can be angry with them, with your aggressors and the people who put you through it, but it just affects you. It doesn't affect them. That's, that's all I'll say, that if you faced anything in your life, it's up to you to make yourself feel better in a holistic, wholesome,
0: healthy way. Exactly. And I even think what more perfect of a timing than now it being International Women's History Month. And I think maybe take this time to just feel empowered and to just maybe get outside of your comfort zone and speak out if you feel like you need to. So yeah, hopefully these women listening or just anyone will feel empowered. And yeah, we just hope for the best. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Aubrey. Yeah. Glad you chose this topic because it really, it really helps the more people that raise awareness about it in different ways and different methods. It really helps.
0: Exactly. And I even feel like, I mean, I was nervous to kind of choose this as a topic at first, because I was like, Oh, am I gonna have to talk to this about my male professors? Like, what are they going to say? But then I was like, you know what, it's fine. Like, we need to talk about this. And so I was a little bit wary of choosing it, but I'm so happy that I stuck with it. And I kept telling my mom and I was like, I'm just kind of nervous. And she's like, no, like you're so passionate about this. Like you need to do it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So I'm also grateful that I stuck with it. And I think that it's going to be really great for people in Utah to learn more because here we kind of live in a bubble and I feel like Mm -hmm. people don't know a lot of things that happen. Like sex trafficking just, I feel like entered into the conversation with social media and I think that this also needs to be shared. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that'd it'd be great. Awesome. It's really, really good. It's really nice of you, and we of you. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. I love you. You. Bye. Bye.